Well, good morning, Watermark. It's good to see you. I hope that all is well. If this is our first time together, my name is Timothy Atikin. I'm one of the teaching pastors here at the church. I want to start this morning by showing you a video that I first saw several years ago. And I was, I, as I was preparing for the message today, I was reminded of this video. And it just seemed like a great fit for what we're talking about this morning. It is a video of some Chinese Christians receiving their first Bibles, and I think you'll be encouraged by it. Take a look, and then we'll chat. I love watching their response to receiving the Bible because it's like they've found a treasure. And it's kind of convicting, honestly, that, uh, you know, I've got a shelf of Bibles, and uh, it, it's just so normal for me to have this on my shelf or in my bag, and yet there are people in this world that uh, have not gotten to experience the, the beauty and the goodness of the Scriptures. I love seeing them respond to the Word of God. That's the right response to this book. They're responding like they've found something of the greatest value. What makes the Bible so valuable? Like, what gives it its worth? Well, I think that the Bible actually tells us what makes it so valuable. Paul tells us in 2 Timothy 3.16, he says, all Scripture is breathed out by God. Do you hear what he's saying? When he says all Scripture is breathed out by God, what he's saying is this is actually God's words to us. God has gone to great lengths to communicate to his people. So when we open up this book, it's like we are opening up God's mouth. God has spoken to us because he wants us to hear from him. And so that's an incredible reality for those of us in the room who are followers of Jesus Christ. The incredible news for us this morning is that we can hear from God every single day if we want to. Why? Because he speaks to us through his, through his word. I want to be really clear with you what my goal is this morning. My goal for our time this morning is that you would walk out of here feeling like you are holding a treasure. Like that's my hope is to elevate your view and your understanding of this book, that you would leave here today understanding more and more the value of this book, that, that every day this week when you wake up, you might echo the words of those Chinese Christians, that you might find yourself saying, this is what I have needed most. And the way that I want to try and kind of build that need inside of you is by starting in Genesis chapter 1, and what I want to do is I want to walk you through five movements in the Scriptures, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament, of God speaking. And as I walk you through these five movements in the Scripture, what we are going to see is they all 
weave together to make one point. And here it is, so don't miss it. Okay, the God who spoke everything into existence, the God of the universe, the God of all creation, wants to speak to you and me every single day. The question for you is if God wants to speak to you, do you want to hear from him? We've been in a series where we're walking through the first three chapters of the Bible, and the series is called Made, because these three chapters, in a lot of ways, inform our understanding of what we've been made to do. And I want it to be clear this morning, we have been made to listen. We have been made to listen to the voice of God. And so if you have a Bible, you can join me in Genesis chapter 1. This morning is going to feel different than most mornings because most mornings we just take one passage and we camp out in that passage and we work that passage until we have a good understanding of it. Today is going to feel different because Genesis chapter 1 is just going to be the launch site for us. We're going to start in Genesis chapter 1, and then I'm going to walk you through five movements. So we're going to spend time in the Old Testament and the New Testament, and the reason for that is that I want you to leave here clear that the God who spoke everything into existence wants to speak to you. Our God is a God who speaks, which means that our God is a God who wants to be heard by his people, okay? So let's just start with this, with this truth, okay? Let's start here. From the beginning, God has been speaking, okay? From the beginning, God has been speaking. And the first place that we see God mo- speak, the first movement is this. God spoke at creation. So let me just read you several verses from the very first chapter of the Bible, and I just want to invite you to clue in to the repeated words and phrases, okay? Here's what it says, Genesis chapter one, verse three. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. Verse five, God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. Verse six, and God said, Let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters and let it separate the waters from the waters. Verse eight, and God called the expanse heaven. Verse nine, and God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place and let the dry land appear. Verse 10, God called the dry land earth. Verse 11, and God said, let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed. Verse 14, and God said, Let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night. Verse 20, and God said, let the waters swarm with swarms of living creatures. Verse 22, and God blessed them, saying, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the waters in the seas and let the birds multiply on the earth. Verse 24, and God said, let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kinds. Verse 26, then God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness. Verse 28. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. Verse 29. And God said, behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth and every tree with seed in its fruit. Okay, did you see the repeated words and phrases? 
okay? And God said, God blessed, God called. 14 of the 31 verses in chapter 1 deal with God speaking. You know what that means? It means it makes this reality that God speaks foundational, okay? Remember why the book of Genesis exists. It was given to the nation of Israel shortly after they were freed from captivity to Egypt. They had been in captivity for about 400 years. Egypt was a polytheistic society with about 2,000 different deities. And so the book of Genesis exists to introduce the nation of Israel to their God. The nation of Israel knows that their God is a rescuer. But God gives them Genesis chapter 1, and what does it declare? It declares that their God isn't just rescuer, He is creator. And how does He create? He creates by speaking. So we find out about God's identity from His activity. The fact that God speaks things into creation declares that God is all-powerful. The fact that he's just able to say the word and things appear, it's declaring that he's all-powerful. But God doesn't just speak things into creation. He actually speaks to his creation. And we saw that in verse 28 when he speaks to the first human beings. You know what that's declaring? You know what that activity is declaring about his identity? Is that he's not just all-powerful, but he is relational. Like, how do we cultivate relationships? The primary way that we create relationships and intimacy is by speaking to one another. That's why I never encourage on a first date to go to a movie. And if that was your first date, it's okay. But the reason I don't encourage that is because when you go to a movie, it zaps your ability to talk and communicate and get to know one another. The fact that God speaks to his creation is his declaration that I am a relational God. I am speaking to you because I want to be known by you and I want to be heard by you. So our God is a God who, who speaks. And the interesting thing is that God doesn't just speak at the moment of creation. He then creates the first human beings and we find the second movement. God spoke in the garden. So his relationship with Adam and Eve was one where they spoke to one another. Genesis chapter 2, verse 16 through 18, it says, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you will surely die. Then the Lord God said, It's not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. So God speaks to the first human beings in the garden. Interestingly, when did things go wrong for Adam and Eve? When they began to listen to someone else's voice. They began to listen to the voice of the evil one. But God in his love didn't stop speaking to his creation. Chapter 3, verse 14, the Lord God said to the serpent. Verse 16, to the woman, he said. Verse 17, to Adam, he said. And then God removed Adam and Eve from the Garden of Eden, but he continued to speak for the rest of the Old Testament. Like I did a quick search in the Old Testament of how many times the phrase, thus says the Lord. How many times does it show up in the Old Testament? It shows up 423 times, God speaking. 
How did God speak in the Old Testament? Well, the New Testament actually tells us how God spoke in the Old Testament. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1 says, Long ago, at many times, and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers. That's a reference to the nation of Israel. How did he speak? He spoke by the prophets. What were prophets? Prophets were men and women chosen by God to communicate the words of God to the people of God. But then God also spoke in special ways, like he spoke to Moses through a burning bush. He spoke to a guy named Balaam through the mouth of a donkey. And so you see God all throughout the Old Testament speaking to his people. And then you turn the page from the Old Testament to the New Testament. What do you find? The Word. John 1, 14. This is what it says about Jesus. It says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. We have seen his glory. Glory is of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. So do you see it? Do you see the different movements. God spoke at creation. He spoke in the garden. That's the second movement. He spoke throughout the Old Testament. That's the third movement. The fourth movement was he spoke through Jesus. Jesus is called the Word because Jesus is the fullest and clearest communication from God to man. God's love, his grace, his forgiveness and his goodness have been most clearly and fully communicated to us through the person and the work of Jesus Christ. That is why Hebrews chapter 1 verse 1 goes on and says this, long ago at many times and in many ways God spoke to our fathers by the prophets, but in these last days he has spoken to us how? By his Son whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. Now, Jesus, the word, ascended into heaven and sat down at the right hand of the Father. Does that mean that God's done speaking with us? No. Because Jesus then sent his spirit. And what did his spirit do? The spirit of God spoke to the apostles and gave the apostles the word of God. That's why... Paul writes in 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Do you see it? From the beginning, God has been speaking. Why has God been speaking? Because he's not just all powerful, he is He's relational. He speaks to his people because he wants to be known and heard by his people. He wants us to hear him. So this is incredible news. The God of the universe who spoke everything into existence wants to speak to you. And he wants to speak to, he wants to speak to me. So what do we do with this? Okay, if from the beginning God has been speaking if his activity has informed, of us, informed us of his identity, that he's a relational God, his activity should determine our activity. If God is speaking, then here's our response. If God is speaking, we must prioritize listening. Okay, we must prioritize listening. This is the good news for every follower of Jesus Christ. You can hear from God every single day if you want to. 
Like, do you realize that? Let me just ask you, when's the last time you feel like you heard from God? Has it been a while? You can actually hear from God every single day. The question is, are you positioning yourself to actually hear from Him? It's possible that your relationship with this book might need to change, and it might need to become a little bit more like those Chinese Christians where you begin to see this book as more of a treasure than anything, that you begin to see its value as God actually speaking to you. Jesus actually educates us on the best way to interact with this book. Just think about this. When Jesus is led into the wilderness by the Spirit of God to be tempted by the devil, Jesus hasn't eaten in 40 days. So just imagine how much weight Jesus has lost, hasn't eaten in 40 days, and what does the devil do? He tempts Jesus to turn rocks into bread. Imagine how hangry you would be if you hadn't eaten in 40 days. And watch Jesus' response. What does he say? This is so instructive. Verse 4 of Matthew 4. He says, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. You see it? He's saying, just as you can't live without water in bread, Physically, you cannot live without the Word of God spiritually. If you think about it, the Word of God in Genesis chapter 1, what did it do? Through the power of the Spirit hovering over the waters, the Word of God, it brought life. The Word of God in our hands, by the power of the Spirit at work in our hearts, what does it do? It brings life out of us. That's how powerful this word is. That's why the Anglican bishop and New Testament scholar, N.T. Wright, he got it right. N.T. Wright got it right when he said this. He said, the Bible is the book of my life. It's the book I live with, the book I live by, the book I want to die by. Let me just ask you, what priority are you placing on this book in your life right now? Like if somehow, if we had a highlight reel of your last week and we just played it on the screen, just the highlight reel of your life, would the Bible make your highlight reel from the past week? Okay? Would, would it, if we, were to, if we were to just take a guess of what your priorities are based on what we see you do over the past week, would the Bible make your top 10? What about your top five or top three? Because this is the primary way that God speaks to us, so we should treat it like a treasure. Okay, what, what does God communicate to us through this book? Okay, well, 2 Timothy three sixteen and 17. I've already read it twice, people, so I'm only going to read it a few more times. But listen again to what Paul is saying. He says, all scripture is breathed out by God. Hopefully you have heard that. And it's profitable. What does that mean? It means it'll make you rich. Not how you want to be made rich. But it will make you rich in intimacy with God. It's profitable for four things. The first two things go together, and then the second two things go together. It's profitable for teaching. That's a reference to doctrine. It's profitable for reproof. Reproof is conviction for what is false about God. So think about it. God uses the Word of God 
to communicate to us about himself so we think rightly about him. We said a few weeks ago that your view of God will determine your response to God. If you have a small response to God, it's because your, your doctrine is off. So what the Word of God does is it, it brings clarity to who God is. But it's also profitable for correction. That, the idea there is that it just puts you on the, the right path to morality. That there's a way that seems right to man that's end is death. What the Word of God does is it provides the guardrails for us walking on the path to life. And it's profitable for training in righteousness. That just means that God uses the Word through the power of the Spirit to make us more like Jesus Christ. That's why Charles Spurgeon said this. He said, a Bible that is falling apart usually belongs to someone who isn't. Isn't that good? A Bible that's falling apart usually belongs to someone who isn't. Why? Because when you draw near to God's Word, you are drawing near to God. If you look in the Scripture, God's Word and God's presence, they go hand in hand. So when you believe that this is God speaking to us, when you draw near to this Word and you open it, it's like you're opening God's mouth. So to draw near to His Word is, is to draw near to God and God's presence in your life brings peace. So, how do we respond? The God of the universe, the one who spoke everything into existence, wants to speak to you every single day. If that's the case, then I just want to give you three, three action steps for treasuring the Word of God this week. Three action steps. Here they are. Number one. So, if God is speaking, we should prioritize listening. Here's what that looks like. Number one prioritize hearing the Word of God. Prioritize hearing the Word of God. When I talk about hearing the Word of God, what I'm talking about is prioritizing hearing the Word of God taught in a public gathering just like you're doing right now. Luke chapter 11 verse 28 says, blessed rather are those who hear the Word of God and keep it. So I am talking about believing that when we gather together and we open up this book, God is actually speaking to us right now. John Elmore and I pray, when we prepare our messages, I want you to know, this week I have sat with God and I have asked him to, to speak through me. I have sat with him and I have asked him, God, what do you want me to share this week? And so our conviction is that when we, when we faithfully teach this book, God is speaking to us through his word, by the power of the spirit at work in me and in you. And so when we gather together and we hear the word of God taught, God is speaking, God is here and he wants to speak to us. So if that's the case, then let me just encourage you to do a few things to prioritize hearing from God. I wanna encourage you to make a commitment to being here at Watermark every Sunday that you're in town. Now, this is going to feel a lot like New Year's resolutions. Okay, it's September. But why wait? Don't wait till January 23. If God is here, if God wants to speak to you, today is the best day to begin hearing from God. Okay? So commit to being here every Sunday that you're in town. And when you're out of town, go find a church to worship at and to hear from God. 
Like, it is a non-negotiable for the Atik family to be a church. You're like, yeah, because you work at the church. No, here's the deal. I teach only half of the time, which means half of the Sundays of the year, I, I'm fighting tr- the traffic you're fighting. I'm dropping my kids off, going through the circuits that you're going through. And I'm sitting in this room. I sat right up there last Sunday to sit and learn with you. And it is a non-negotiable. The Atiks, when we're in town, we will be at, we'll be at church. I remember a while back, we had a tough, we had a tough Saturday night, all right, in the Atik household. Like, you need to know, we kind of have a rule, no kids sleep in our bed with us. Okay, that Saturday night, there was a kid in our bed with us. It was, it was that bad. It was that type of night where it was like, all right, dude, just get in. And so I didn't sleep well at all. It, and that Sunday morning when we woke up, man, that live stream sounded amazing. <laughs> like the idea of picking up a remote and pushing one button as opposed to getting the minions dressed and fighting traffic getting in church, which one sounded better? But we made it. And I don't say that to be like, look at us. Now I can use it as a sermon illustration. That's the only reason we did it. No, that... I tell you that to say, I'm so glad I did, because when we made it to church, God met me there, and he spoke to me, and it was a meaningful interaction with God. And so I just encourage you, commit, commit to being here, and when you come, come expectantly. Like, walk into this place expecting to hear from God. And then I want to encourage you to just answer this question, and your answer will be different than mine. But what, what do you need to do when you walk into this place to eliminate as many distractions as possible so that you can hear clearly from God? Do you know what that looks like for me? This is just for me. But I bring a physical copy of the scriptures so that I don't have to use my phone. Because when I have my phone out, you know, fantasy football is there, text messages are there and notifications come in and what it does is it causes me to disengage from what God is doing in the room. But here's the thing, if God wants to speak to me, I don't want to hear from anyone else. Like if he wants to say something to me, I don't want anyone or anything else trying to pull me away from hearing from him. So I just encourage you to answer for yourself, what what are the distractions that you need to minimize when you walk into this place? And then when I come, I now come with a journal to take notes. And I have not always been a note taker in church. I went for years not taking notes until one day God spoke into my life and was like, oh, I see. So you don't expect me to say anything important enough for you to write it down. Like you don't think I'm going to say anything that you need to write down and revisit later in the week. And since that time, I write it down because When I hear it and write it, it's two different ways of engaging with the same truth, and it's more likely to stick. So I just encourage you with that. I'm not not trying to shame you if you're not a note taker. I'm just more saying, like, it's just one other way for us to process through through truth. And then uh, this one's going to get me some emails, but I just, I feel a need to say it. And so I'm going to say it, and then I'm going to tell you why I'm saying it, okay? But here's the deal, okay? What we have noticed is that when the person on this stage says amen, 
hundreds of people get up and leave during the response song, okay? I'm going to ask you to consider staying till the end. Let me tell you why. The reason that I bring this up, and look, I get it. The reason you're leaving early, I understand. Because if you don't get a jump on getting your kids, like there is, it can make the time you sit in that parking lot, there's a major difference. I understand the complexities of getting in and out of here. But the reason I'm bringing it up is when hundreds of people stand up and begin to move, you're, you're moving at the moment that we have just heard the Word of God taught. So that is a moment where God is working on someone's heart, processing and speaking into their lives. And if we're not careful, we will become distractions to one another. And the other thing I would just say is, what if God's not done speaking to you? What if God is actually waiting till the response song to speak into your life? What if that's when he wants to meet you in this moment? Don't short-circuit what he might want to do in your life, even at the end of the message. And I understand there's times that we need to leave early, so you're not going to have like a red laser dot on you if you start moving at the end of the service. Like, if you have a shot, take them out. Like, that's not going to happen, all right? But I just want to encourage you to consider that, okay? And then when you get in your car with your family, here's the question. The question isn't, what did you think? The question was, what... What did God say to you today? Okay? So, number one, prioritize hearing the word. Number two, prioritize reading the word. Prioritize reading the word. I want to read for you 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. This is just the fourth time I've read it today. So, if you haven't really locked onto it yet, I'll probably only read it a few more times. So, you've still got time. But it says, listen, I just want to point out one word. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be what? What's that next word? Complete. Do you know what the idea is there? Mature. Do you know what that means? You cannot be a mature follower of Christ without deep interaction with this word. If you aren't reading, you are not growing. So I just want to encourage you to prioritize reading the Word. And uh, I'll just tell you what's been helpful for me. It's, it's been helpful for me to always have a plan for what I'm going to read. Like, I've done that thing at times in my life where I'm like, all right, God, what, are you, uh, what do we want to read today? Leviticus, again, like, oh, man, totally should have leaned more towards the New Testament. Uh, that's a bummer. I'll know better tomorrow. But... Um, it, there's just a better way to do it. And so my encouragement to you is to just have a plan so you know what you're going to read even tomorrow. And if you need help with that, we would love to help with that. We actually have a reading plan for the whole church. You can go to jointhejourney.com. And thousands of people every day are reading the same passage of Scripture. Have a plan. And plan when and where you're going to meet with God every day. If you don't plan it, it won't happen. For me, if it doesn't happen in the morning, it's probably not going to happen. So just decide. Put it on your calendar. When and where are you going to meet with God? And then maybe you do something that my friend Greg Mott would do in college. He just decided, I won't eat physically until I've eaten spiritually. 
It's a good rule to live by. And then I encourage you to read the Bible like your life depends on it. Okay, don't read it like the news where you just are scrolling through. Read it like your life depends on it. You'll begin to study it. Jerry Bridges says this. He says, reading gives us breadth, but study gives us depth. And then before I move on, there's just one more hot take. Might as well just get another one out of the way. Um, Devotional books are good supplements, but terrible substitutes, okay? We want to live by, we want to live on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Devotional books proceed from the mouth, mouths of men and women. So when you, when you make a devotional book, your quiet time or a Christian book, your quiet time, you know what you're doing, is you're letting the author get all the intimacy with the Lord. And you're just trying to all you're getting is secondhand intimacy. They're the ones who get all the God stories, and you'll miss out. Like, I want you to experience firsthand intimacy with God, and it comes through hearing Him through His Word. So, prioritize hearing the Word. Number two, prioritize reading the Word. And number three, prioritize meditating on the Word. Prioritize meditating on the word. Psalm 119 verse 97 says, Oh, how I love your law. I meditate on it all day long. To meditate on the word of God is simply to think deeply about it enough that it drills down to the core of your being, to your heart. The heart is the control center of everything. It's the control seat of your emotions and your motives and your convictions. What I'm talking about is having a deep enough interaction with this book that your life begins to change because of it. Professor from DTS, Howard Hendricks, said this, the mark of spiritual maturity is not how much you understand, but how much you use. In the spiritual realm, the opposite of ignorance is not knowledge, but obedience. Obedience to the Word of God only comes by first meditating on the Word of God for it to drill down in such a way in your life that it begins to change you. So how do you meditate on the Word of God? Well, let me just give you two recommendations. Number one, I want to challenge you to start memorizing Scripture. Take one verse this week and memorize it, okay? Because when you commit things to memory, your, your mind and your heart ruminate on them throughout the day, and you can be changed by it. The second thing I want to encourage you to do is when you do read your Bible, carve out enough space to just sit and listen to the Lord and allow Him to speak into your life based on what you've just read. So I'll just share with you what this looks like for me. You've got to figure out what works for you. But for me, I read a chapter of the Bible each day, And after I read it, I have a journal that I will open up. And right now, there are four questions that I'm asking God to answer. And I will take three to four minutes for each question. I'll write the question down, and then I'll just sit still for three to four minutes and allow God to speak to me in light of what I've just read in His Word. Here's the four questions. Number one, God, what do you want me to know? Like, what do you want me to know based on what I just read? Second question is, God, what do I need to confess? So in light of what I just read, what do I need to confess? Number three, God, what do you want me to pray? So often when we pray, we just kind of bring God our list. 
but I want God to give me prayers to pray back to him. And then question four is, what do you want me to do? God, what do you, what do you want me to do in light of what I read? So yesterday, I was reading 1 Timothy chapter 4, and it says, it says, watch your life in doctrine closely. So as I'm meditating on that phrase, to watch your life closely, I'm asking God these questions. So with the question, God, what do, you want, what do I need to confess? I didn't even see this one coming. But God was like, you need to confess that you've been operating in your own strength too much. And so as I was seeking to look at my life and watch it closely, God convicted me that I've been operating in my own strength too much. And as I was meditating on watching your life and doctrine, and I asked the question, God, what do you want me to do? God knows me well. Like I had finished my sermon on Friday, but my tendency is I want to be a perfectionist, so my tendency is to get it back out on Saturday, and it can eat into family time. And God was like, today is for your family. That's it. Today is for your family. And so it was good. I was able, I was able to fire off my manuscript to the people who needed it, and then I gave the day to my family. And it's because I was meditating and listening. So carve out the space, give three to four minutes to each question, sit and listen, and allow the Lord to speak in. The God of the universe, the one who spoke everything into existence, wants to speak to you and to me every single day. Now, why is this so important? The reason that we are spending so much time on this, the reason that we devoted an entire Sunday to this, is because I want you to experience the intimacy that comes when God speaks and you hear and you respond. But you need to know that there is another person speaking into your life, that you have an enemy. I have an enemy. Do you know what the Bible calls Satan? It calls Satan the father of lies, which means his main mode of operation is communication. He is lying to us all day, every day. And so the question that you need to answer is, who are you hearing from more? Are you hearing more from the father of lies or the creator of heaven and earth who loves you? Who are you hearing from more? And so let me just illustrate it this way, okay? I, I want you to think about this scale just as, a, as a, something that weighs out what your mind and heart has more exposure to. Does your mind and heart have more exposure to the lies of the enemy, so that'll be this side of the scale, or does it have more exposure to the truth of God's word? Because we do have an enemy, and these are just weights. What he wants to do is he wants to weigh your life down with lies to tip your life away from enjoying intimacy with God. And he is lying to you about who God is, who you are, and he's lying to you about your sin. So let me just share with you some of the lies that he will speak to us every day. He'll lie to you about God. You know what? God is really not that good. God is really not that great. God is really not in control of your life. God really doesn't care that much. God really isn't that satisfying. 
and God really isn't worth it. He's lying to you about God, but he's also lying to you about you. You are a failure. You are not enough. You are what you do. God loves you, but he doesn't like you. The gospel is try harder. And he's lying to you about your sin. It's just not that big of a deal. You've done it once. You can do it again. And you can always ask for forgiveness. Just think. Have you believed any of those lies this week? Anyone here believe the lie that you're a failure? Anyone operating out of lies as opposed to truth? Here's what we want to do, okay? These are pennies here because I don't know if you've heard 2 Timothy 3.16 before, but it says that (laughs) the Word of God is profitable. It's profitable. So these are pennies. What we want to do is we want to counteract the evil one's lies just with small deposits here and there. It's like, you know what? So I went to church twice this month. I've been out of town seeing the grandkids or going to weddings. I've been super busy. So I made it a couple times, which is good. And you know what? I uh, follow that influencer, and she mentions God sometimes. And so that's really helpful. It just helped me think right. And I uh, subscribe to that devotional email, and I don't read most of them, but there's some times that I glanced at them over the last month, and it was super helpful, and you know what, uh, out of the 31 days of the month, I think I read my Bible probably 10, 12 times for 10 minutes at a time, okay? So that's what we want to do. So if you were to just kind of add up the amount of time that you've interacted with truth, it's about four hours for the month. There was the two hours at church. There was the several 10-minute times. There was a few minute times interacting with devotional emails. And if you're seeing this and you're thinking that I'm talking about earning God's acceptance or approval, you've missed the illustration altogether. This is just about exposure to truth. So for the whole month, the amount of time that we've been exposed to truth, about four hours. And we wonder why we don't feel connected to God. Because we have an enemy who is lying to us every day, all day. And I think he's just like, you just don't get it. You don't get that you have the word of God in your hands. And because of that, I am going to double down on the lies. Because if I can just get you to believe that you are too busy for this, your life will be truly mediocre. But the good news is 1 John 4, 4 says, greater is he that is in you than he who is in the world. See, these are quarters, and God's word carries more weight. God's truth carries more weight than the enemy's lies. See, God's word also talks to you about God. Isaiah chapter 6, holy Holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The earth is full of his glory. Psalm 24, 1, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. He is 
sovereign. Philippians chapter 2, verses 9 through 11. Jesus Christ has the name that is above every name, and at his name every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord. Colossians 1.17, he's before all things, and in him all things hold together. John 16.33, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart. Why? Because I have overcome the world. You don't have to despair because this is not our home. Jesus Christ will come back for us. God's word tells us about God, but it also tells us about us. 1 John 3, 1, see what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God. 2 Corinthians 5, 21, he made him who knew no sin to be sin so that in him we might become what? The righteousness of God. Of God. Romans 8:31, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Romans 8:38 and 39, nothing can separate you from the love of God. Galatians 2:20, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. 2 Corinthians 5:17, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Behold, the old, behold, the old is gone, the new has come. The word of God talks to us about God. It talks to us about ourselves, and it talks to us about sin. Romans 1:18, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness. Ephesians 5:3, there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality or any impurity. 1 Peter 1.15, be holy as I am holy. Okay, where are you at? Do you have more exposure to the lies of the father of lies or to the truth of God's word? See, God loves us enough that he didn't just speak everything into a creation, he has spoken to his creation. And he loves us enough to speak to us about who he is, who we are, and he speaks to us about our sin. The God of the universe has moved close to us. He wants you to know him. Jesus Christ, the word, left heaven and came to earth to bring us into right relationship with God. Do you know him? And if so, will you take God's words to heart? Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. If the Bible is in your house but not your heart, what's the point of having it in the first place? My hope is that every person here would be able to echo the words of those Chinese Christians. This is what we've needed most. Let's pray together. And just with your eyes closed, I just want to say this. If you're here this morning and you're not a Christian, if you walked into this place and you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, then to you specifically, I just want to read the Word of God. And my hope is that you would hear it this morning as God's words to you today. John 3.16 says to you, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. 1 John chapter 5 verses 11 and 12 say this, and this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life and this life is in his son. That's Jesus Christ. Whoever has the son 
Jesus Christ has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. Jesus says to you in John 14, 6, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And finally, Romans 10, 13 says to you, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. If you're here this morning and you don't have a relationship with Jesus and you're understanding his love for you, that he died for you, that he rose for you, and you want to call on the name of the Lord this morning and be saved, then would you just pray, say, Jesus, come into my life this morning. Thank you, Jesus, that you died for me. Thank you that you rose for me. Would you come into my life? Would you forgive me of my sins? Would you lead me in a new life? Lord Jesus, I thank you that you are the word and that you came and you have communicated God's love and grace and kindness to us. And then you sent your spirit who gave the apostles your word. And now we have the privilege of hearing from you every single day. I pray that this week we would be a people who prioritize hearing from you and reading your word and meditating on it. And I pray that we would be transformed by your word through the power of your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.